Please stand by. Good morning. We've been studying the book of Daniel. And as you know, the book of Daniel is a prophetic book that deals with uh, what God is going to do in end times. Especially beginning with chapter 8 to, to chapter 12. But one of the things I want to share with you is, is about today is about uh, the work of Ezra. Uh, Ezra is a prophet, and uh, he was responsible to restore the worship life in Israel, in, in Jerusalem, and in Judah, when the people returned from captivity. And so, if you go into uh, the book of Ezra, it says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, He is responsible for the captivity of the people of God. And of course, uh, Jeremiah had prophesied that they would return. But Cyrus was in the first years king of Babylon, which is intended, it was in 538 before Christ, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. So here is, here is Cyrus, the king of Babylon, uh, the king of the Persians, 70 years after the people of God being in captivity. Uh, and, of course, the word was from Jeremiah. Jeremiah spoke this in Jeremiah chapter uh, 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. It says... 29.10, chapter 29.10. It says, this is Jeremiah's prophecy. It says, for the, thus says the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. 70 years is the first deportation begun at 605. So when he came to 536, it fulfilled 70 years. And so Jeremiah, now you probably say, Rick, but Jeremiah uh, was speaking and prophesying that they would return. So think about it. Babylon comes, Nebuchadnezzar comes to Babylon, comes to, to Jerusalem in Judah, and takes the people of God into captivity. Jeremiah prophesies that after 70 years they will return. For I know, this is Jeremiah, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil. To give you an expected end. Now if God cares for the people of God, and, 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 and Jeremiah prophesies that God cares for them. Think about what God uh, think about you. Don't you think that God cares about you? That He is going to take care of you? He is going to watch over what is going on in your life? And if it is important, it is important to Him. And He is in charge of your life as to what is going to happen. And all you have to do is to be able to be submissive. Now, Jer Jerusalem, the people of Israel, the people of the Hebrew people, they... 
They weren't uh, uh, listening to God. They forgot the sanctuary. They forgot to the, all of the lamps of the sanctuary. And of course God removed His hand from them. And they went into captivity. So let me ask you this. Are you in captivity right now and you can't hear the voice of God? Are you in that situation where you're really not able to do what God intended you to do because you've been disobedient to Him? Well, after 70 years, God began to say through Jeremiah, Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And so God talks to the king, uh, Cyrus, which is uh, the Medo-Persian Empire. And he says to them, you're going to go and let my people go and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and bless me and build. Look what he says. The restoration under Cyrus fulfilled the prophecy of verse 10 to 14. Look, look at this. And you shall seek me and find me. In other words, what Jeremiah is saying to his people, to every single, what, how many people were there? A million, I don't know, a million and a half, a million, 250,000 people in captivity. Uh, uh, some say 250,000 in captivity. Uh, all the rest was all killed and destroyed when, when, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar's force, the Babylonians came and destroyed Israel, destroyed Judah destroyed the temple, destroyed everything. You shall seek me and find me. Oh, what a wonderful thing. You know, uh, if, I, if you've been away from God, if you've been away from the Lord, if you're confused or know what the cause is, there is a restoration. And He wants to restore you back to Him. You know, God is restoring me back to Him in all kinds of ways. This has been an unbelievable year. Unbelievable year. You know, uh, uh, beginning with ministry direction, beginning with ministry purpose, beginning with prayer life, beginning with tithing, beginning with all kinds of things the Lord is doing in me. And that's a wonderful thing when you're willing to return. It says, And I will be found of you, says the Lord. That's Jeremiah. And I will... Turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations. And so, what the Lord was saying is that He will go into every nation in the world that you've been running from. Because the, 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 when the invasion was about to take place by the forces of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, uh, and before the, 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 the invasion took place, Jerusalem was scattered all over the world. They were running away from the army. They had no defense. And it says, And from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. In other words, God simply allowed them to go wherever they want them to go. And to do whatever they want them to do. Because God had, had hold of them. I don't care. They didn't have the right to decide to do anything. Uh, being under captivity means... You're under the hand of God and God is squeezing you. And you have no right to do whatever. Whatever you do does not work, does not prosper, doesn't take you anywhere. And you are bound by the hand of God. When God has you in captivity, 
He's about to turn you in, to change you, and to do what He wants to do with your life. If you belong to God, you can't run away from Him. And so the word, Jeremiah's word says, I have, uh, from all the places where I have driven you, I'm going to go get you and put you back. And then it says, says the Lord, And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. I'm going to allow you to go. I'm taking you and I'm bringing you back. Because you have said the Lord has raised up prophets in Babylon. Other than Ezekiel in Babylon. Uh, there's no record that there were other prophets, which means that the ones among the captives who were prophesying peace were sent by the Lord. So the people of God in captivity uh, under prophets, and God is speaking to the people of God. Why did Israel, why did uh, uh, they, they, they rebelled against God? Well, why are you rebelling against God today? Why are you running from God today? Why are you struggling from God the same thing? Now, as Jeremiah was prophet was fulfilled, the same way with Ezra, and also with Isaiah, the same way. It says on chapter forty-five or, or, or of, of of Isaiah. It said, "Thus says the Lord to His anointed, the Cyrus." whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him, I will lose the loins of kings to open before him the two leave gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Of course, uh, uh, you, you're talking about uh, the Medes and the Persians invading Babylon. You know, Nebuchadnezzar goes with Babylon. The Medes and the Persians came to invade. And... Uh, uh, God prophesied, Isaiah prophesied that the gates would be open. Now, what do you mean by that? There's a river that enters into Babylon. And that river, uh, right in the middle of the city, has some gates in which the water passes through the gates. But you can't pass yourself. There were, there were heavy, heavy gates of bronze that allowed the water to pass, but no ship could come in. And of course, on a night in which God is speaking to Belchizer, the son of, of Nebuchadnezzar, in charge of, uh, of all this, that uh, the, the people came through and the gates were open. Jeremiah prophesied the gates were open so they could come in that riverbed, dry riverbed, and take over the city. So, as they return to Babylon, return to Jerusalem, return to Judah, God begins then taking care of His people. And He chose Ezra. So in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that He made a proclamation through His kingdom, and put it all in writing. And so, not only the prophecy, uh, this presents the prophecy of Isaiah being fulfilled, which had been given 200 years before. It's in Isaiah 44:28. So thus says Cyrus, the king of Persia, 
the Lord God of heaven, listen to this, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he did. He has charged me to build him a house, a temple, at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Now think about this. You're talking about uh, the king of the Persians and the, and the Medes. And they come together. And God tells him, go to Jerusalem, build me a house. Well, that's a heathen. That man had no desire for God. But the Lord, see, God can use a heathen, can use a donkey, can use anything. And so, why and what is that makes Cyrus so, so open to the voice of God? Listen to this. His godly mother Esther. See, Cyrus is the son of Esther, which exerted great influence over him for good as well. He had been shown the prophecies of Daniel. In other words, imagine Esther, his mother, saying, Cyrus, sit down right here. Now listen to me, boy. Here's what uh, is the prophecy of the book of Daniel. This is what Isaiah has said about this. There's no, no way that a boy would negate the voice of his mother, who is there among you, all of his people. His God to be with him and let him go. Who is there among you? Of all his people. This is, this is the Lord speaking to Cyrus. His God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem. Which is in Judah. And build the house of the Lord. The God of Israel. He is the God. Which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remains in that place. Where he sojourns. Let the men of his place. Help him with silver. And with gold and with goods, and with beasts, besides the free will offering from the house of God that is in Jerusalem. In other words, Ezra is prophesying. He is simply saying, we're going to build a place for the Lord. Now, I don't know what is to do next. And of course you have the first group that came in, under Zerubbabel came back, the first deportation. And the names of those that were under that uh, return is in chapter 2 of Ezra. You know, it begins, uh, now these are the children of the province who went up to captivity, those who had been carried away, wh whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away to Babylon and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah. And of course, uh, 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 many, if not most, of these had been born in captivity. And he says, which came with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, not the same Nehemiah, uh, Sariah, Reliah, Bilshem, Misap, and he begins to give the names of all of the children who were born in captivity that, had been, that are returning. Now, you see, Ezra is the pastor. He's the one taking care of things. And the first thing he does is count the congregation. He is just counting the sheep. That's my sheep. And they're coming together. The children of Delilah, the children of Tobias, the children of Nicoda, 652. The total number returning Babylon to Israel 
in the first deportation was 49,897. 49,897. And so, next, what he does, he, after counting the sheep, Ezra began counting the priests. And he began to look at uh, the children of the priests. The children of Habiah, Kos, Barzillai, which took a wife of the daughters of Barzillai, the Gilead. It was called by their name. And he begins to tell about the children. The next thing, he begins to tell uh, uh, the whole congregation together was 42,300 and, and so, besides his servants and their maids, uh, their horses were 736, the mules, 245 this, and camels, and, and this much here, and this much there. What is, uh, what is Ezra doing here? He's counting what is coming back, and what do they have. See, the blessings of God upon your life are given by God. God gave all these animals, these camels, these donkeys. And uh, by the way, their camels were 435. Their asses, 6,720. Why, why are they, why are they mentioned the name, mentioned what? Because all of that is the blessings of God. So you count the children, you count the priests, then you count the blessings of God. Let me ask you this. Do you know what belongs to God in your house and what belongs to you? Because if you know what God has through you, what He's given you, uh, 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 God has blessed. You have to recognize the blessings of God. And so the priests and the Levites and other people, the singers, the porters, and the, and the Nephtimines dwelt in the cities and all Israel in their cities. Meaning they came back in the, in the thousands. The next thing, now this is the next thing that Ezra does, is to restore the worship. We are in America today having a restoration of worship. There's worship everywhere. If you never heard, you're really missing a big move of God in America in the last 20 years. I was in Nashville about 20, 25 years ago. And I'm recording one of my CDs. And a young man who owned the studio, I don't remember his name, but uh, it comes to my mind because he gave us a, a coffee cup, a coffee. Ralph? Rob Steele. Rob Steele was the leader, the man in charge of the praise and worship, uh, in charge of the studio. And he came to the doors and said, from now on it's all worship. And sure enough, it started all. I saw I was there when the day was proclaimed in a downtown church in Nashville, Tennessee, that from now the people of God will worship God. Well, that has gone on for 25, 30 years now, and God is being worshipped all over the world. If you go to Brazil, they worship the Lord with songs of praise. Amen? So now Ezra is going to do something. He's going to establish the worship. And when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel were in the cities. The people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. The seventh month here is October. It commenced with the blowing of the trumpet. 
in the holy convocation which follow on the tenth day of the solemn day of atonement in the fifteenth day of the feast of tabernacles or the ingathering which lasted until twenty second days in the in three the three festivals of worship established. The first one was the trumpets. The second the atonement. And the third the tabernacle. These are three large feasts. The trumpet, the atonement feasts, which is really important. It has to do with our sins. And then the tabernacle. Then stood up Joshua. Not Joshua, uh, the sons of Jodak and and, uh, uh, and he, uh, his brother, and build the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Imagine. Imagine the temple being built and offerings of sacrifice for our sins begin to be burnt offerings, begin to, again, they spent 70 years without doing that. They were up there uh, and, and under the under the uh, under Nebuchadnezzar, and under under the the Medes and the Persians, and of course God spoke to Cyrus, and they came back, and the first thing they did was to count the children, count the priests, count what they have, and the next thing to do, they restore the worship. How did they restore the worship? By offering God a sacrifice, offering God an offering. You know, a lot of people don't talk about the offering unto the Lord, but the offering unto the Lord is holy. You you need to take it seriously, that which you give to God. When you write something, a check or an offering unto the Lord to Rick Bonfim Ministries, we take care of it. I can I can tell you sincerely and honestly that doesn't come to me. It goes to where it's been intended to give be given to, and, or or to feed the hungry in Brazil. Or to give to Cuba, Peru, to the children and to the churches to sustain the kingdom of God in these countries where we go. And uh, the altar is the first thing they build. I mean, they're returning. Imagine about a couple hundred men building the altar of the Lord, which is, uh, the altar is the brazen altar he's referring to. You know, remember, it's about 40 feet by 40 feet square. Forty feet and about four large bulls, three facing the east, three facing the west, three facing the north, three facing the south. Big old bulls. I mean, you're talking about a monster to where it could be receiving sacrifices and, and prepared and holy sacrifices and pure and without any, 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 any uh, uh, blemish. Uh, the people of God begin to offer sacrifices in the temple. This proclaimed the fact that the cross of which the altar was a type was the very foundation of all that Israel was. The same thing today. That when you give into sacrifices unto God, present your body as living sacrifices, going on a mission trip, preaching the gospel to the poor, going to Peru, and, and, uh, and uh, visiting the churches and laying hands on the people that you meet and ministering to them the word of God through translators. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. That's what this ministry does. We go all over the place year after year after year after year taking money to give to the churches and sustaining them just like Paul did. You say, Rick, how much money? Oh, you don't want to know. 
It's not little money. It's in the literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that we give. And we give gladly because it's given to us, so we give to where it's given to. And we bless the people of God. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. By building the altar where the burnt offerings and sin offerings would be offered, they publicly confessed themselves to be guilty of their sin. They wanted to give God an offering for their sin. See, if you build a brazen altar, I don't think it was the same like the one that they had when it was destroyed in the year 132 after Christ. Uh, the Romans destroyed the altar, destroyed everything that was pure for the Lord. What, but what the Babylonians did, what the uh, Nebuchadnezzar did, he, he, he stole utensils from the altar. So he probably took all the bronze that was there and, <laughs> and melted down and used for his purpose, you know, to build a statue. Uh, so, but you, you can see that the intent of their hearts when they build a place to offer God offerings, burnt offerings, in, in uh, responding to confess their sin and to offer God for their sin. Remember, remember the sacrificial system that I have teaching you for quite a while that uh, they would uh, bring a lamb uh, or, or a bullock, whatever, or, or a bird, and they would sacrifice for their sin, transfer their sin to the animal. Remember that? I taught you that. When, they, when you do that, you transfer. Like now, you see, is the same thing. We transfer our sin upon Jesus on the cross, and He takes our sins away and forgive our sins. You know, if you confess your sins, He's just and faithful to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so, they were, they were coming back to, they're thinking about the cross. They're thinking about Jesus here. They're thinking about what the Lord was doing through them as they returned to captivity. Something happened. Now, if you're in captivity today and you, how you want to return to God, I want to pray with you today. I really want to pray that you, uh, uh, <laughs> you, uh, you return to the Lord and, 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 and confess your sin and, and He'll restore you. He will. He'll bless your life, bless your business, bless your family, bless everything you touch. You look into a man who is blessed. <laughs> and, and, and I have returned to Him and I'm, I'm doing it every single day. I'm not going to be running away from Him. I'm going to restore. I want peace. And I want restoration, amen, with everyone I know uh, that, that my sins are forgiven and your sins are forgiven. So, isn't that wonderful? And they set an altar upon his basis. I would say it exactly the way it was in the beginning, you see. means that they placed a new altar upon the foundation of the old one. Think about it. When, when Nebuchadnezzar came in, he couldn't destroy the foundation of the altar. And it must have been a foundation of 40 feet, 40 feet square. So they placed the, on the new foundation, making exactly to conform to it. For fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. Let me read to you, this is, this is Ezra. And they set an altar upon his basis. For fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. 
What is referring to here? He's referring to the <laughs> to the Babylonians. They were mean people. They they killed. They destroyed them. They took their peace. You couldn't sleep. Got up in the morning. There's a sword on your throat. You did something wrong. Whap! There goes your neck. <laughs> For fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. Morning and evening. What do you mean by it? Just a line of people. up. One carrying a lamb, one carrying a bullock, one carrying something, you know. Uh, and, and they want to offer for their sin. So the conviction of sin was upon the people of God. And I want you to know that. So let me pray with you because we're dealing with Ezra for just a while. We stopped on chapter 8 of, of, of the book of Daniel. And, uh, and, and we, we began to talk about Sarah's as God began to talk to him. He is the, the Medo-Persian Empire that is in charge of, of the people of God. And he tells the people of God... You're going to return to Judah and Jerusalem. And he and God charged him to build the temple. So, so we're talking about the priest in charge of the restoration. I talked today about counting the children, counting the priests, counting the blessings, and start the restoration of worship. And I talked to you specifically uh, about three feasts or festivals. The Trumpet Festival, the Atonement of the Tabernacle. And we talk about that sometime later. But I'm in the in chapter uh, chapter chapter three of Ezra. A little bit. Deus, God bless you. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray today that if there's someone here is in captivity, not able to be restored. Not able to have the peace that surpasses all understanding. Not able to be sleeping soundly. Worried about this and about that and finances and all kinds of problems. I ask you, Lord, that you bring them back. Restore them, God, to the blessings of God. Forgive all the sins that they have committed like, like we have committed, God. We ask you to forgive our sins. We ask you, Lord, that we restore our worship to you and praise you and give you glory. We ask you, Lord, that they be forgiven for their sins and return to you today in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Rio dos vales cresce em beleza, força e luz. Rosa de Sharon queima a impureza do meu ser. 